today we're going to talk about, you know, my stomach. <laughs> that's, that's it. We're going to take some blood. That's all we're going to do. I might poop in a cup. Who knows? I am getting to be to that age where they want to look at my poop more. Or not. <laughs> or, oh, man. Or not. This is Colin. And this is Chris. And like light firing through the cable in Colorado, this is Shiny Podcast. Following the light and throwing a little shade on the newest and brightest in today's gaming and technology. All right, it is Thursday, November 9th, 2017. This is Shiny Podcast. Thanks so much for for listening, everybody. We've got uh, quite a few things to talk about, kind of catching up here a little bit. And how are you doing this week, Chris? <laughs> I'm doing just great. I'm doing just great. I, uh, you know, would like to just point out that probably you're not going to get too much light across the cable. <clears throat> I wasn't going to say anything. I was just going to let it slide, but <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I did not want to mulligan it. I don't care. <laughs> We're live. One, one, go. one day the lights will travel through those cables. <laughs> just send it. <laughs> I'm doing just fine, my friend. I'm doing just fine. I've been incredibly busy lately with a new business and and all that that entails, plus some um, wonderful things I could never have imagined working on have popped up, and that's really cool. At some point, I will probably dedicated entire episode to the war stories that I've already encountered <laughs> as the, the ones that, that keep popping up as they accumulate. But um, I've been good. I've been good. It's good to, it's good to be here. It's good to be uh, talking about technology. There's been a lot going on. I've been watching from the sidelines, you know, with my phone or, you know, as the headlines come down the pipe, just, just chomping at the bit to talk with you about some of this stuff. Right on. Well, let's get to it then. Uh, top top of the order here. So we, we talked last time a little bit about, you know, about uh, microtransactions and loot crates and, and all of that stuff kind of perpetrated by some of these larger uh, companies like EA and, and one of the other companies that does it is, is Ubisoft and or Ubisoft, what it, however it's pronounced. But, but um, one of the other things that that they are among other gaming companies do is kind of uh, the DRM, um, you know, making kind of digital rights locked down to um, a platform as opposed to you actually owning the rights to that, that game. Right. Even though you bought it <laughs> after you've, you've spent the money, right. After you've spent the money, you agree to this, this DRM. And so, Recently, um, Assassin's Creed Origins came out. This is the which, one that was set in Egypt, right? Like, this is like, correct. yeah, that's not going to look cool. It looks really, really cool. And uh, I, I have not, I, I've played about five minutes of an Assassin's Creed game um, uh, on PC, and the controls were 
I don't know if it was just poor optimization. They were so wonky that I put it down that's and I moved on and never, it never went friend. back. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> half the game is just getting the controller to actually act in a manner that you expected to, right? That's... Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my just that day, my patience was was thin and I never went back, which is a shame because I know a lot of people really love the franchise, but. Um, what, what I wanted to talk about and, and this game looks amazing. And I actually was kind of thinking about picking it up maybe when it goes on sale. Um, uh, but, but something that's been happening, um, as, as, um, you know, it's been out for about a week now and, and people are finding that their CPUs, um, the, the, um, their computer component, their CPU has been, um, overloading, uh, under, under, uh, this game when when they're playing it and sometimes even causing a blue screen uh, and their their bsod crashing uh because of this video game and so some some folks kind of went under the went under the hood to kind of see what was going on because more more and more people were reporting this issue and so they found out that that there was this anti-pirating uh, software uh, drm tool running under the hood of of this game and it was it was causing the CPU to go under total max load and use all the cores and uh, use way more than than it really should need to in order to to run efficiently. So even though got got this game and and a lot of people aren't really able to play it. So they're um, using they're using DRM like like somehow there's a process built into the game that's doing some sort of active computation to prohibit whatever like cracking they anticipate whatever method somebody's going to use to try to crack this game and 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 essentially make it able to be played without the authorization key supplied by you know ubisoft or, or yeah ubisoft um correct now that yeah. and and, and the, that process that process is 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 hitting the cpu so fucking hard that it's crashing the very computer of the person who legally purchased this game. We're just we're just all in agreement that that's what's happening here, right? Okay? Okay, good class. Yes, yeah. good. Okay. <laughs> Carry on. And so it's called VM Protect and Ubisoft has come out and said that this is not what's causing the problems. <laughs> um uh that it's it's hearsay and that's not actually it that their response is basically said you know, people who are having issues need to buy better CPUs. <laughs> that's that's been their their kind of response to this. Um, and I don't I don't know where this this issue stands now. I don't know if people are still having these problems, but um, I haven't seen any updates. Uh, and and there's certainly no updates from the author of these two articles. It would be interesting to get a really good uh, op. Uh, like an optimization analysis, you know, like as these games are out for a little while, it, you can, you know, people have their, their, their way with them and they can sort of like experiment on different hardware. And it would be interesting to see what their, what the performance is like. I don't know if this is a DX 12 game or if this is a Vulcan game or, or, you know, what, but it would be interesting to see like what it is that it, like, like where in the chain how much like of the game is actually offloaded to the C to, to the GPU instead of the CPU. And, sure. and you know, if, if, if a lot of it that's, that is offloaded to the GPU, it doesn't really give a lot of credence to the idea that this is not related to the game. Correct. 
So I guess we'll have to wait and see, yeah. but this is, uh, you know, this is sort of the problem when you freak out and put so many layers of protection that you end up hurting the very people that are willing to give you money in the first place. Paranoia is, is real, and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and wasn't it um, uh, a few episodes ago we were talking about that, that study that came out where actually, as it in terms of video games, pirating actually has shown to uh, to increase legitimate copies, sales of copies um, of, of the games. That's right. Um, That's right. Amazingly, yeah. being able to try a game that you want to play will inform your purchasing decision. Yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> it also means that if you make a shitty game, everyone's going to know about it. So... Right. How... How as far dare as I, we have an incentive tell, to make anything but, you know, <laughs> how dare we give them an incentive not to make a shitty game? Well, I mean, it's kind of part of another kind of broader issue here is releasing and selling millions of pre-orders of, of a game that's somewhat broken when it's released and not entirely right. finished. I mean, beyond beyond the monopolization of not monopolization, sorry, um, monetization of of you know microtransactions and selling the game in piecemeal which is another selling issue a, a fundamentally but, uh, broken program to begin with correct and then either waiting for a patch or or you're just sol there's kind of a broader issue here yeah, but it's, uh, it's too bad out. that they're you know the company's response is get a better computer <laughs> yeah and disappointing because I've I really enjoyed some of their other games. This is a very interesting part. So, you, so you're aware of Denuvo, especially want to continue to support the DRM that just about every game uses to to lock it to the platform. This VM Protect is a is is an interesting beast. Yeah. Um, it as it sounds, it uses virtualization technology to execute the code of the game inside of a inside of a VM inside of a virtual machine. With with a non-standard architecture, so it doesn't emulate like mm -hmm. I guess does that mean it doesn't emulate like an x86 environment? It emulates some other architecture that does or does not exist. I would like I'm gonna have to dig into this because I I've been playing a lot with virtualization lately, and I I'd, I'd <laughs> right. be fascinated to see how it is that they expect a virtual machine on a standard computer not to be somewhat cpu intensive yeah i have no idea <laughs> i mean like that's kind of like vms aren't necessarily universally you know resource intensive but i mean on a on a standard windows machine yeah 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 i can see that the scale there is a little weird, so uh Yeah, um, for sure. Hmm. Hmm. I will I will look into that more. That's really interesting. This is a follow-up to our discussion about uh, uh job automation. Yeah, in, in particular uh uh in, in relation to law and, and lawyering. <laughs> lawyering, um, at attorneying. Law yeah. <laughs> Attorney at lawyering. Esquire. Um, so, <laughs> so um, 
um, yeah, we, we had talked a, a couple episodes ago about, you know, jobs that we think might benefit really benefit from some automation um and and law was one of them that came up and it just so happens that that that's exactly what's happening some of those kind of document heavy meticulous kind of you know when when a law firm is in discovery and they're looking through hundreds of thousands of documents you know they used to have to go through it by hand and put sticky notes right, on right, it right. and right. and and you know and and that was it you would just go through boxes of of papers but um all of that is being all of that is being kind of, sorry, <laughs> brain fart. Um, automated away. Being, uh, automated away. Yeah. So, so you know, the the actual, you know, going to court and that kind of thing isn't isn't going anywhere anytime soon. But uh, that 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 part of of documentation and and legalese and all that stuff is being automated. Um, Here's a, a, a yeah. couple of jobs, potentially paralegals or you know, like whatever the on ramp is, just completely replaced is a professional position just absolutely pushed aside because honestly a machine can do it and probably do it better a lot faster and, and better yeah not just faster but but better and more accurately uh oh uh oh yeah um and and one thing that uh, i didn't realize um was that there are in addition to this? There's actually um, a huge drop in people even applying for law school. Which, there was a massive spike um, for a lot of years. Yeah, yeah. Which I I thought uh, I've been under the impression that there was a glut of lawyers, but I guess that's not the case anymore. I, I know it was at one point, but it's it's not yeah not when, so anymore. When sort of school age, it seemed like that was the case, but it's turned around. Hmm. Interesting. And so that they'll put them in a position where they might be looking for, you know, law firms might be looking for a, a way to fill a, a labor gap. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, or just cheap labor. Hey, yeah. I mean, buy it once, right? You don't have to do yeah. benefits. You don't have to deal with time off. You don't have to deal with mistakes. Oh, gosh. I like heaven, huh? <laughs> We will see. Right we will on. see as the uh, as automation pops up in little every little area of life. The Shiny Podcast will be there to document it. All right, your, your face. face, your face. No, your face. <laughs> when the iPhone X ten whatever uh, was was announced. I don't care enough to remember which one it is. It, um, everything is dead. Everything is branded fucking 10 or X. Everything. <laughs> Xbox One X. Are you fucking kidding me? iPhone X OS 10. Like Windows 10. Motherfucker, what is it? Like, what are we saying? Like, I don't believe in numerology bullshit, but like, what is this? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay we're fine everything's fine here we're fine we're fine beep boop pop we're fine um so when when the the newest iphone was announced uh one of the big features of it was your face uh, ID. Uh, uh, facial your face id right so 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 yeah man i mean what is the ACLU concerned about here and uh, well, what's going on? ACLU is 
understandably weary of any situ- or of any piece of technology that's actively logging personal data. And the problem with the with the face ID, I hate saying it. Face ID. It just sounds like I just, you know, have this image of like having to walk up to this like futuristic, you know, like imagine, you know, it's kind of like 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 uh, think think Mission Impossible, like the first Tom Cruise Mission Impossible with that that facility that he's breaking into and they walk up to this thing and they like do the palm scan and then they do a retina scan, right? Except in this case, you just go smash your fucking face into this panel on the wall because it's face ID. You just like walk right up to it. And- <laughs> Plop down. Yep, that's Christopher. <laughs> Welcome. Would you like to buy some applications in the App Store with 30% going to Apple? Anyway, so the ACLU is a little concerned because it turns out that Face ID is not just a method of authentication alone. Mm-hmm. It itself provides an API that third-party app developers can access. The claim is that you are not allowed access to a certain level of detail, I believe, but that there is an amount of data transit that is possible with an API provided by Apple for Face ID. And it's possible at this stage, at least according to the ACLU's review of this, it's possible that a developer might even be accessing or, 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 or otherwise exposing data from Face ID that they might not even realize that, that they're doing. It's unclear to me because I'm not an iOS developer. It's unclear to me if that's a, a, a fault in the API, if it's just kind of unclean or, or, or what that is, but the ACLU seems to have some problems with that. Now, mm-hmm. the layman read would have to be that they're sort of concerned that somebody could just like download an app, you give it you know permission because you're, you're I don't know, Maybe you're using Face ID to take a three-dimensional picture of your face so you can have a three-dimensional dog face drawn over it. Seems like the type of thing that would sell like gangbusters in the App Store. The replace dog face ID 10. (laughs) X10X. Excuse me. X10X. <laughs> uh, you know, and maybe that, maybe they, they are, you know, are, they might have access to some fairly sensitive attributes about yourself. And, you, and, and the ACLU is uncomfortable with that being the standard going forward. It's worth noting how often in the press, since we're talking about the iPhone X10X, it, it, how the, the, the press is very interested in the success or failure of this phone and it seems to be because apple has quite a lot riding on the trend of them selling hundreds of millions of devices per launch on it it's and it's and it's um 
less interested by how many units they actually sell and more interested in how fascinated with the fact that they are perceived as needing to by the press. It's an odd feedback loop, but isn't it? Man, that's fucking weird. It's true, (laughs) though. Like, it's like we're very concerned about whether Apple's success rides on their supply. I don't know, man. They're they're like their ability to deliver this unending trend. I, I, it is. It's a little. It's a little deep for me. There's. There's always this component of a. Of, um, <laughs> there's always this. This. This component of this meta story in Apple coverage, and it's kind of gross. <laughs> no, it really is. Stay tuned for the commemorative tenth episode where we explore all things iPhone ten X iOS ten OS ten. You can do that one on your own. <laughs> That's not going to happen. (laughs) Oh, man. Into the pit of net neutrality we go. Verizon (laughs) has been lobbying, which, by the way, is not the same as throwing. (laughs) But boy, don't lobbyists make me want to throw things. They've been lobbying the FCC to block states from protecting broadband privacy and net neutrality. It's unbelievable. Well, it's believable, but it's upsetting. So, a company that makes money by providing internet service spends that money on people who go to representatives of the government and executives of the government to convince them to disallow states from providing their own internet service and then make it more expensive for the same shitty product to to purchase the same shitty product. Now, what else could they do with that money? If only there was some way of 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 making better heart like the hardware that that makes the internet happen. But unfortunately, it's just impossible. This is ridiculous. Obviously, this is just it's you can't even like carry on the joke because it's so ridiculous. But yet here we are. This story, however has a has a uh, uh, a bit of a happy ending even though uh you know even though it's not necessarily about Verizon so everybody's probably seen the billions of ads and and banners that are across every, every website or at least or will be soon about how at some point in the next couple of weeks there's a massive FCC decision on what net neutrality is going to look like for the next you know several years at least until at least until the chess game shifts again, and then all of a sudden the pieces are arranged, and we have net neutrality for a couple more years, and then everything flops back over again, and then everything goes away, and by that time there's no nothing left of of anybody because we've we've all blown it up several times over in nuclear holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, but the silver lining, <laughs> silver lining of this is that at least in one part of the country there are voters who are actively saying 
fuck you to the telecoms. Now, while Verizon is dumping money into lobbyists, Comcast is doing the same thing in their little part of the world. But Fort Collins, Colorado said, no way, man, not here. In a massive campaign, massively expensive ca campaign on the part of Comcast to discredit an initiative to begin a municipal broadband internet service that is a town-owned internet service provider. Overwhelmingly, the measure passed with about 57.15% of the vote. It was a long and grueling thing, but the Coloradans did it. And with a really um, uh, underfunded campaign, especially compared to the campaign that 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 the Chamber of Commerce and the uh, telecommunications industry had. The numbers come to ten thousand dollars against about four hundred fifty-one thousand dollars. You think that that might yeah. buy some fiber? You think <laughs> that might buy some fiber? Hey man, you got any more of that fiber? Just think about how much, how worth like they're if they're willing to just piss away half a million dollars on one town's initiative. Think about how much bread they must get. I mean, just think about that. Half a million dollars just fucking thrown away by these company by this company for this, for one, this one town. One town. Yep. Unbelievable. But they did it. Uh, but, but they did it. They passed they it, it, and that is great news. Well done, Fort Collins, Colorado. And I will be very interested to see how the rollout of a um, municipal broadband service provider will go. The big news today, the big news in tech today, is coming from Casa del Intel. I can't speak Spanish. I tried. <laughs> I, 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 my last name is Goulet. I, there's just my, it's just, it's in the blood. I'm sorry. Anyway. It would be uh, Casa del Intel. That's what I, yeah, of course. Of course <laughs> Naturally. Yeah, yeah obviously. Galeros. <clears throat> Intel made a bombshell announcement today when they said that they will be getting into the business of selling discrete graphics cards. Damn. They tried this and failed before. By the, a couple, couple times, times, right? Yeah. But this time they have done something that is being seen as a, a, a pretty big and bold move. They have hired Raja Kuduri, the gentleman who, until recently, was in charge of development of AMDs graphics cards oh that's right that's right he's going over to intel and will be given quite a wide berth apparently in, in how these are going to go now these are going to be pretty high-end cards from my understanding not like the performance from intel's graphical offerings that you have come to expect as good as I think some of the Iris graphics implementations that I've seen have been. Mm -hmm. the, I mean, you just you, it, you can't compare it to a discrete graphics card. There's just there's just no there's just no way. This comes on the heels of the of an announcement just a couple days ago 
of a partnership between Intel and AMD, where they are going to be releasing a, a low power consumption CPU with a built-in graphics card, an integrated GPU based on AMD's Vega architecture. So it will be a, a single, you know, a single system on a chip, but it will but it will ship mm -hmm. with a CPU by Intel and a GPU by AMD. Interesting. Specifically targeted at, you know, thinner, smaller, low power consumption devices that need, you know, pretty high, powerful graphical capability. Think of your, um, you know, your Dell XPS 13s, you know, or, you know, your, any of your Ultrabooks, that kind of thing, where you want really good performance, but it's a small device. Mm -hmm. This is a all got to, got to make for some pretty sad <laughs> breakfasts over at the oh, Nvidia yeah. table. <laughs> oh, this is like, oh man. Um, actually, uh, well, both I guess both AMD and Nvidia uh, stocks dropped this morning. By the way, yeah, after really? this was announced. Interesting. Yeah, that's not actually surprising. Yeah, that's not crazy surprising. Yeah, man. I mean, this is a big poach. Yeah. This guy, like, is <laughs> in charge of Vega, and now he's going to work for Intel. Must have been a pretty yeah, sizable offer. Yeah, kicking the nuts to NVIDIA. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> right? I just want to know who over at AMD dropped the ball and didn't counteroffer. You know what I mean? That's like, true, yeah. Jeez, oh, please. <laughs> I guess uh, Intel gave him an offer he couldn't refuse. Yeah, right. We'll have to see. I mean, you know, this is really going to shake up the graphics card world. It really will. I mean, Nvidia has sort of positioned themselves as as the 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 GPU of choice for a lot of the professional world and a lot of gamers. They are trying to position themselves as the hardware of choice for machine learning mm -hmm. and for artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. I think that this move probably has a lot more to do with the latter sure. than the former. But if the result is a lot more competition in all of those fine areas. Fine by me. I love it when the big boys <laughs> duke it out. Me too. Right on. Yeah, I imagine we probably won't see anything from Intel with discrete GPU for probably not for another four years or so, I would imagine. Four years? I would be I wouldn't be surprised if they have something to show us inside mm. too. We may not be able to actually get our hands <laughs> on it for a little while, but you know, you gotta believe that they've got they must you know, they Intel makes a lot of stuff. They've you know, they they're not like uh their ramp up that's, process. That's true. Their lead time's like, probably a lot shorter. Sure, yeah. Not and it's not like uh, you know, it's like an essential <laughs> phone or something. Yeah. Or or, you know, an iPhone. <laughs> This is a very interesting story for me, and it's gonna get into the weeds a little bit. I think it's I think it's worth covering though because it's it's a pretty important 
Yeah. A pretty I, important piece of I, the computer. I'm pretty sure I understood what, what they were talking about here, but uh, I'm going to let you take this one. <laughs> sure. So we all know what the UEFI yes. is, right? For those at home who may be a little lost, the UEFI is the modern replacement for the BIOS in your computer. The basic input operating system, anybody who's ever uh, you know, built their own computer or installed an operating system or you know, maybe there's a few other circumstances where you might have had to get under the hood that far. But it's this sort of really low-level system that talks directly to the hardware and is sort of a layer between your OS and the computer itself. Right. Right? Yeah, that's a pretty good... Yeah, that's kind of a... Yeah. So the UEFI is the modern version of that. And the UEFI stands for the Unified Extensible Firmware Interface. It's a little bit more involved than old BIOSes used to be. Uh, there's a little bit more going on. One of those things that's going on is something called the IME. It's, it's an Intel technology that's supposed to be designed for enterprises or businesses to have some level of remote access. The IME is the Intel management engine. Now, you're probably aware, since we're talking about the BIOS, we're talking about the UEFI, that this is going to be a thing that's going to be pretty early in your boot process, right? When you start up your computer, the BIOS starts, the, UF, the UEFI starts, and it loads all of the lowest level uh, code that needs to be executed to get your computer to, to continue with the boot process, mm -hmm. right? So this happens long before you even load your OS. This management engine kicks in, and if there's a command that it needs to you know, go through from your centrally controlled infrastructure, it will, it'll do right. that, right? Okay. So everybody's probably already going, whoa, wait, hold on, what do you mean? There's a thing that's built into my computer that lets code, that lets code execute from a place that's not me? Yes. Yes, a convenient little feature built in by Intel, which if it's freaking you out, believe me, it's absolutely fucking destroying Google and all of the big <laughs> guys. They absolutely hate this stuff. And today, as we, as we record this, it has become public knowledge that the Intel management engine has been cracked and if you have physical proximity to any computer you can use a thumb drive loaded with these exploits plug it into a computer and absolutely have control over that box and since it's in the bios you can pretty much guarantee that that box is compromised potentially forever Yep. Or at least until you can reflash with Nerf. Love this. Nerf. <laughs> Nerf is a replacement for UEFI, replacement for this clump of code 
that's been lumped into the boot process ostensibly to help people control their computers remotely for big businesses, but we all ended up getting sucked into this stupid thing. It's a replacement <laughs> for that entire component. It stands for the non-expensible <laughs> reduced firmware, and it's an incredibly simple little footprint that does nothing but boot the damn machine and let you tweak a couple settings. That's it. Perfect. And guess what? Turns out it's not it's not just Google that's leading this. It's Google and a bunch of other people in the in the business that are kind of concerned about this this problem. Uh apparently there are boot time they're seeing boot times on hardware that are using this instead of UEFI like up to 8 times faster. <laughs> just imagine being able to Overnight with one with just do do one little thing and all of a sudden your computer boots eight times faster. Yeah, I'm down. And I'm down with that. And it's all because there's just no more of this complicated mess that Intel has been stuffing into your computer for years now. It's cl classic, uh, classic Linux, man. You know. It's uh, it's 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 true. Actually, it's true. It's you, you you you. I didn't even mention that point, but it, this any NERF or Nerf is actually a tiny tiny little Linux that's gonna uh, take the place of UEFI. Uh, and you know, yeah, the devil in me is really it's really likes the idea of like every Windows user in the land getting the, a replacement <laughs> UEFI with a that's little Linux a kernel. Tiny little <laughs> Yeah, it's just make me. That would definitely make me happy. That would definitely make me happy. <clears throat> but Linux in this case is really like sort of it's sort of an implementation detail. It's it's almost like an afterthought. Yeah, that's yeah. sort of the ubiquity of of it. It's like, oh yeah, of course we're gonna use Linux for this. But the but the effort to just replace this is I, I think it's it's really we given how much. Uh, a bunch of a splash uh, Intel has made this week uh, with all of their headlines and, you know, what they're doing and, and, you know, all of these moves that they're making. It's really interesting to see this very key piece, this very low-level technology of Intel's being uh, met with such a resistance that now, now, you know, players like Google are seeing fit to just completely dumping it and replacing it. Mm -hmm. I wonder what that sort of spells for for the future, but believe you me, if I can get my hands on Nerf, I would totally Nerf my laptop. <laughs> Absolutely, I'd Nerf the shit out of that. You've played around with with the beta of of this. Uh, I have not dug into it, but um, so so I guess maybe you should talk a little bit more about why Firefox Quantum. Uh, is so much better. I have been a naysayer. You know, I think I think if you go back into the archive, you'll see that there I am on record complaining about Firefox. Yeah, that's I, accurate. I, I haven't used Firefox in a lot of years. I used to be a devotee, and I've been using Chrome now for a very long time because it just was so much faster and so much more stable, and and I and like for a variety of reasons. 
when Mozilla about a year ago announced that they were going to f- just refocus their efforts, really honing in on Firefox as a product, getting rid of the Firefox phone initiative, getting rid of a bunch of other projects, you know, even even shedding their obligation to Thunderbird. You're right. Yeah, I remember that. I was interested because I really want to like Firefox. When they then said that they rewrote the better part of their rendering engine in rust i was really interested because rust is a language that a lot of people are 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 liking right now it has some niceties in terms of um uh well suffice to say there's a lot of people who really really like it because it prevents you from doing things that make problems i'll put it that way (laughs) right on there you go. Um, and when they announced that they were going to adopt the web extension standard that that Chrome uses, that every uh, Blink or WebKit browser uses for mm-hmm. their their extensions, I was pretty happy because I was always sick of Chrome plugins getting you know preferential treatment by vendors yeah. over Firefox add-ons. So seeing all of this come together with multi-threading support has been a really changing experience for me. Because (laughs) I have gone in about a week from being somebody who would never use Firefox to somebody who just about exclusively uses Firefox. Right on. I've gone through and replaced all of my Chrome installs with Firefox Quantum that the beta so here's the real mccoy man it's fast it's very fast it is if you're running quantum you will immediately see it is faster than chrome absolutely on just about every website it is also much less cpu and ram intensive you see that's nice (laughs) It's like we're like about a 30% reduction in the amount of CPU that it uses overall. Which is really significant, actually, for an app as, as important as as big as your web browser can be. Yeah, absolutely. The new UI is pretty clean. It's kind of it's it's squared off. It looks just really laid back and and not in your face. As always, the customization tools are great, so you can tweak it. I easily was able to remove the separate search bar, so I can just have a unified bar, just like in Chrome, which is the way I like it. Right on. It's really simple to do that. It's just built right in. That's awesome. And uh, the syncing features are great. You know, I've been testing that so I can log into Firefox and just get all of the sites I was looking at and all the tabs that were open and all of my bookmarks and all of that stuff syncs right up. That's really nice and faster than Chrome. And and I uh, it does something that I have noticed Chrome really fails at lately, which is when I delete an extension, mm-hmm. it also deletes it everywhere. Oh, nice. Whereas in Chrome, I keep having to delete the same extension over and over and over again because once installed, it never seems to register that I actually want to delete it. Jesus. (laughs) Anyway. Um, And most of all, 
Firefox is completely open source. So the fact that you're getting that or that I'm getting a browser that is that you know is faster actually saves me, me time, makes my computer run better, and is completely open source. No, we know for a fact isn't snooping, is not invading your privacy or sending off your metadata to God knows where and to be processed into God knows what algorithm is really compelling. I mean, that's what <laughs> I've wanted this entire time. It's like I don't know where the hell fire where where the hell Mozilla has been. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is the Firefox I wanted. And 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 unless something drastically changes, I don't see me getting back on the Chrome train anytime soon. Oh, there's another cool feature I, that I really like. You can have different logins to the same site in different tabs. Oh, right so on. you can have in two different tabs, two different Gmail inboxes loaded without having oh, to, cool. yeah, without having to, you know, log in and log out and log in and log out. Oh, awesome. <laughs> How cool is that? <sighs> that is very cool. That's great. That's a really neat feature. There's, and, there's, Man. and I'm just seeing like every, it seems like, you know, there, I love when I get a piece of software and I start using it, and as time goes on, I find little details and niceties that are just like, oh, I like that. That's, you know, that's cool. That's, that's, I've been having so many of those little surprises using the, using the beta of, of, of Firefox, beta of 57, I think it is, that I just went all in. I just went all in, replaced everything. Awesome. That's great, man. Yeah, I, I really need to get on that. I think it, it officially releases on the 14th, but it is in beta. So if you want to try it out, you definitely should. I can't recommend it enough. And I and I and I I think it's important, you know, as as we talk about net neutrality and, and, and open web and, and how much how important that is, as we're all stumbling around the internet using a proprietary browser, <laughs> it kind of feels a little <laughs> like it feels a little hollow, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. not being, being, not using an open source browser and, and claiming that you want open standards on the web. That being said, for me, for years, I had to make the choice to use Chrome because I just didn't feel like Firefox was up to the task anymore. Yeah, no, I feel you, man. Um, I mean, when Chrome came along, it was just so much better, but... Now it has become the bloated beast and Firefox is lean and mean again. I've been using Firefox for, for a little while. I've always really enjoyed it. Um, but um, yeah, I'm actually, sorry, I'm, I'm quiet because I actually downloaded the data <laughs> messing around with it. So. Oh, are you? Did you download um, it as we, as we were talking? Yeah, I did. Um, it looks really cool. <laughs> this is great. See, there's a visual redesign. Like they really, they, they, you know, just sort of modernize the UI a little bit. Yeah, no, and I like that it was very easy uh, to combine like the the top bar into one one big one instead of kind of the URL bar and then a search bar because I I do the same thing. I prefer to have it all as one. Um, I also I think I pointed this out last time. Um, the I noticed that they added a if you need to take lots of screenshots, which sometimes I, I do at work, um, it makes it really easy and you can really fine tune your screenshot selection. It basically allows you to click drag and, you know, drag a window over uh, the area that you want to do a screenshot and, and that's it. And it's it's automatically like 
copied and and easy to to um upload the image it's it's all very oh, that's very cool yeah very cool firefox yeah, man. man and i'm yeah. really glad to i'm really glad to say that i that i'm liking it so much right on right home and our last story here we uh the holidays are like it or us. not <laughs> like it or not and um as more time goes on you're likely to buy something that that may be snooping on you just a little bit um so mozilla has put together and speaking of firefox mozilla has put together a holiday buyer's guide so that you can make more informed decisions on the the toys and and technology and everything that you buy that may may not have your privacy remember the horror story earlier this year of the the teddy bear (laughs) through which you could transmit voice messages from an app on your phone so they give give give, you know grandson or granddaughter this bear give grandma app on phone she records the message and it's played through the bear unfortunately all of those messages ended up being recorded on a third you know on these these these, this company's uh servers somewhere in the middle of nowhere unencrypted fully exposed all of these purses no one's gonna take advantage (laughs) of this this hilarious (laughs) oh god so this happens this happens and mozilla's gone through all of these devices and gadgets and put together a, a a rating of how secure your privacy would be with the, these devices it's a pretty comprehensive list actually they break it down by uh by like toys and dolls video game consoles you know home control hubs like the alexa or the uh the google home uh just all sorts of gadgets and gizmos it's cool stuff i'm looking at let's see here ah right off the top the dyson pure hot and cool link priced 399 to 619 dollars for when your air isn't quite good enough there's this air purifier heater cooler from dyson it's not just air purification it's intelligent air purification according to the maker that means it comes with an app that lets you monitor your air quality and react accordingly this has no camera and no microphone but it does track location Mm. It requires you to make an account. It does not have privacy controls. You can con- you can delete your data by contacting the company, and your and the company who makes it does not share data with a third party. This is an awesome breakdown of this really kind of a stupid <laughs> air purifier device <laughs> that I would never have access to if I were to try to put this together on my own. This is great. This is great. They go over tile. I love that. They let's see. Let's look at dolls. I bet that's interesting. No. <laughs> Edwin the duck. Of course, a rubber ducky with a connected app that tracks your location and does not have privacy controls. Oh god. 
There we go. The Hello Barbie. The Hello Barbie. It has a microphone. Oh, hello, Barbie. It has a microphone built into the Hello Barbie. It does have some privacy controls, but the app requires you to make an account. And let's see. Oh, I love this part. What could happen if something goes wrong? This is this is Mozilla conjecting what could happen if your microphone-enabled recording device Barbie would go wrong. Well, it could record and say weird and creepy things to your kids. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I suppose, what it could do. <laughs> so, guys, I really encourage you to Jesus. look through this, if only to be astounded by all of the suddenly quote-unquote smart devices that there are. And think about all of your unpatched routers and Wi-Fi access points as you browse this list. Merry Christmas. <laughs> God, what a nightmare. We are living in the fucking worst timeline, I swear to you. Here, Here we go. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> the new Fitbit. No, this is the old Fitbit. The Fitbit Surge. Actually, I'm really interested in this. Can it track you? Yes, it can. It has a camera. Doesn't have privacy controls. What could happen if something went, went wrong? It could let others know where you are and how terrible you are at exercising. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Oh, I like the top of this. If you want to hit your personal best and kick life's butt, you've already wasted too much time reading this <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Something tells me that Mozilla has Crazy. a lot of money. Oh, here's here's the uh, what could go wrong on the Microsoft Xbox One X. It could be used to make assumptions about you based on what games, TV shows, and other apps you use and when. It could let others know when you are home playing your Xbox. <laughs> yes. Such, such snark. Oh, Jeez. let's look at the Google Home. What could happen if something went wrong? It could listen to you and know everything happening in your home. Oh, wait. <laughs> Marty, this is hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> this, is, this is a good line. I don't think we have a deep dive. <laughs> so pretty, pretty news heavy, uh, news heavy week. Good Lord. I think we're going to cap it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please um, check out our, at our website, shinypodcast.com. Um, you can download uh, Shiny Podcasts and all your favorite podcasting applications. Um, if you want to say hi, make a suggestion, or send us a hot tip on tech news, visit shinypodcast.com slash contact. And just fill out the form or just email us at hello at shinypodcast.com. Uh, we've also got some uh, social media, uh, Twitter uh, at Cast the Shine, Facebook at shiny podcast um and the rest i just told you so thanks so much for listening i love this colin signing off my man this is christopher forever snarky